Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. This coach has lost his mind. Definitely need to make a change. But what happened was, it was interesting, the, the players commented on the love that they feel from Tom Izzo and they have known him for years and there's a deposit there that he can withdraw on. And so they understand as he's coaching, as he's leading, he's disciplining them, that he loves them and wants what's best for them. And I thought, oh, if we could get a glimpse of how much God loves us today, we would let him say whatever. We would let his word transform us. We wouldn't be saying, but, 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 like, but God, let him do work today. Let him do deep, deep soul work. Last week in the 10 a.m. service, it was a standalone message, first time ever that it wasn't the same message at the 11.30. And we celebrated the 11.30. We had 27 baptisms, 27 baptisms. One of which was our second child, Justice. It was a cool moment. Um, not all things are equal. I get it. Favor's not fair. I took a little extra time with justice. It's just that dad moment also. It just was. It's a special moment. I, I, I posted, it's great to be a pastor, but it's far greater to be a father. It is. And, and, it's, and it, it's, it's far greater to be fathered today. I'm sure there's fathering wounds in our heart, in our life, wherever they've been, but the father is so perfect that we would let him father us today. And last week, the taproot we were dealing with, taproot of darkness, meaning the center, this deep, strong root. When Jesus is the taproot, great things, the fruit of the spirit grows. But when darkness is the taproot, I believe the strongest root that darkness tries to put in our heart, even after being set free. So Jesus has set us free, the, the root of unforgiveness. We could talk about some cosmetic issues, but we want to get to the depths of our soul. And if there's unforgiveness, we can't even get to the idea that we're going to change our behavior. Unforgiveness will affect so many different areas of our life. And forgiveness simply is releasing or dismissing somebody of a charge that they are guilty. Well, how do we respond to someone that's guilty? First, by remembering we are guilty. If you weren't here on the 10 a.m., I want to revisit some of the things we talked about because today's another lap. It's another pass. Okay, well, we talked about that last week. No, no, we're going to talk about this for a really long time. That's the thing about Christianity. God compares us to a family. He compares us to growing, and he compares us to um, agricultural terms often, and even sheep, because we need constant attention and tending to. We do. We get sidetracked. We get off. We need to tend our soil because we are prone to wander. The enemy is always looking and enticing, saying, come here. My ways are better. And we're afraid, and we feel shame when we fail. And what do we do? We turn to the ways of wickedness, but God wants us to turn to the ways of holiness. I genuinely believe this today on a deep level. And it's going to start by how we connect with each other, how we connect with each other. Um, one of the pictures we showed last week, and we're going to show it again this week, was um, from Kim Fook. And Kim Fook was known as the girl in the picture from a napalm bomb being dropped on her. We have that picture. Can we pull that up? And it's a graphic scene. This girl was known by this story most of her life. The next picture you see, her skin was falling off. 
the heat of the, the bomb was so bad and the story has so many layers of just gospel love and in, in the midst of hor- horrible pain. But she goes on to forgive later in life and she talks about how her conversion to Christianity and then forgiving gave her freedom. But the pain is still there. As we forgive, there still might be pain, but we're not ruled by that moment or that situation any longer. We're then releasing, dismissing. We looked at Stephen's life as he's being stoned and he's being murdered. He said this famous phrase, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He's forgiving the people as he's being murdered for sharing about Jesus. It's one of the things that intrigued me about Jesus was why is everybody so mad about him? Why? Why are we so mad to talk about Jesus? Why? Is it possible because there's power in the name of Jesus? Absolutely. And so we don't pick it and be like, bring Jesus back in the schools, bring Jesus back in the church, you know, or the the state, bring him back. It's like, no, we're going to just be the extension of Jesus everywhere. We're going to be the extension of Jesus we're going to not bow to any other false gods, but we're going we're gonna to lay down our life. And this is the heartbeat of heaven. Luke 23, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus uttered as he's on the cross for my sin and your sin. And so to recap real quick, what we talked about last week, and you might be hearing about this for the first time, but as we take this pass, uh, I, I, I uh, want to lead us to a story of, of Joseph. And I think it's going to wreck us. Number one, though, remembering that we are forgiven because Christ has forgiven us. This is the starting place for how we even begin to think that we could forgive people. We are forgiven. If we don't believe we're guilty, then we're going to have a real rough time releasing people of their charge. And then two, we forgive each other. As God has forgiven us, we are forgiving one another. Ephesians 4 teaches us we are forgiving one another. And then three, we're seeking the forgiveness of others. If we think somebody has an offense against us, we're saying sorry. So let's go to the story of Joseph today. And I want to pray before we jump into it. And I'm going to read out the message and I'm going to kind of narrate, narrate as we go through this. And then we're going to worship together. We're going to close. We're going to experience and we're going to let some things go today. get this picture of pain or hurt and because it's become so familiar we hold on to it we've relived those moments over and over and over again that the very thing we want to do is let go but because we've relived it so much we've revisited that place so much that torture chamber so much we have such a grip on it because in a weird way it's our friend but today Father, we pray that we'll let go. We'll let go of the offenses, of the hurts, of the blame, of the what ifs. And as we look at Joseph's story, what a great example of someone putting their trust in you and using their pain for powerful gain. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. A few things as we start. 
Forgiveness is not letting someone off the hook. It's letting ourselves free from the torture. And when we forgive, we let ourselves out of the prison. And today, a true statement is we are free to forgive in Jesus. We don't have to, but we're free to do it. I would dare venture, though, that we're commanded to, and we're to do it often. Let's go to Genesis 37. We're looking at Joseph's life, and Joseph has this dream, and he tells it to his brothers. And Joseph is the favorite son at the time, and because Jacob had him in his old age. And when you've experienced a lot of pain and then God shows up, there is a special affinity there, and it doesn't mean that it's belittling the other brothers. One of the issues I have with when we talk about the Joseph story is somehow we paint it in a negative light that Joseph, because he shares his dream that he has with his brothers, that they're bowing to him, and he shares it in a way that we're like, well, Joseph was too... uh, he was too zealous, and, and, and if he wouldn't have shared his dream like that, then, then his brothers wouldn't have done what we're going to re- re- read. Um, they, they eventually sell him into slavery. Um, they're so jealous to the point they want to kill him. And I, I just, I don't believe that sharing your dream, which was true, warrants any of the behavior that's going to take place. So Joseph, if he is wrong... I think the percentage would be single digit. So let, let's look at Joseph with great admiration admiration, and looking at where he's looking at his hope today. So Genesis 37, reading this out of the message, verse 18, they spotted him being Joseph off in a distance. By the time he got to them, they cooked up a plot to kill him. This is his, their brother. The brothers were saying, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. Maybe you've experienced where people were jealous of you. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these old cisterns. We can say that a vicious animal ate him up. We'll see what his dreams amount to. Reuben heard, sometimes it makes people feel better by minimizing what, what me and you can accomplish. It's easy to, 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 to tear people down. It's hard to build them up. And we shouldn't be jealous of anyone's success or anyone's dreams or loftiness. We should not be intimidated, but we should be celebrating. And, and they're in the opposite tier. And, and I'm afraid that we're, we're, I'm in this tier too often, the jealousy tier, the comparison tier, and it leads to wicked activity. Reuben heard the brothers talking and intervened to save him. We're not going to kill him. No murder. Go ahead and throw him in the cistern out here in the wild, but don't hurt him. So there's one brother who's reasoning. All right. We're going to hurt him, but let's not kill him. Reuben planned to go back later and get him out and take him back to his father. Ah, props to Reuben. When Joseph reached his brothers, they ripped off his fancy coat he was wearing, grabbed him, threw him into the cistern, a well, a cistern that was dry. There wasn't any water in it. Then they sat down to eat their supper. Looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites on their way from Gilead. Their camels loaded with spices, ointments, and perfumes to sell in Egypt. Judah said, Brothers, what are we going to get out of killing our brother and concealing the evidence? Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. We're going to get nothing for murdering him. We might as well get some money. But let's not kill him. He is, after all, our brother, our own flesh and blood. So a little reasoning happening in the place of wickedness. Um, I can relate to this. I remember committing crimes, and you're you're reasoning in the midst of crime activity. You're saying, well, yeah, we're, we're breaking the law here, but we're not going to do that. 
It's, it's so silly. We have these boundaries, but how many of us have noticed when you give in a little bit, it, it, it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And this is how this, this moment, I think the boundary um, started a long, long time ago. And then verse 29, later Reuben came back and went into the cistern. No, Joseph, he ripped his clothes in despair beside himself. He went to his brothers. The boy's gone. What am I going to do? They took Joseph's coat, butchered a goat and dipped the coat in the blood. They took the fancy coat back to their father and said, we found this, look it over. Do you think this is your son's coat? So now they can't find Joseph. They're, they're, conspiring. they're, they're, they're suggesting he gets murdered or he, he gets killed by, uh, by the, the wild. And here they are telling their father that his favorite son is dead. He recognized it at once. My son's coat, a wild animal has eaten him? Joseph tore limb from limb. Jacob tore his clothes in grief, dressed in rough burlap, and mourned his son son a long, long time. All right, this lie is compounding now. You imagine the brothers? The lie is very compounding. Have you lied and and then it, it compounds? over and over and your heart beats more and more and you're getting hot more and more. And even in this place, there's some of us that are instantly convicted because you know that you're lying about some things. And it's okay, there's freedom. Because when I have felt that, um, the best place is to come clean with God first and then someone second. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. And it is God's grace that we feel that, that, uh, that conviction. We think it's condemning. We want to go to the safest place where I don't have to feel that anymore. I don't want to feel that feeling. I don't like going to church because I feel messed up. I had one friend tell me, I can't go to church anymore because all I do is ball there. And I thought, well, because the Lord wants to do a deep healing in you, come on, keep coming. I can't, I can't come, it's too much. And I said, it's okay. We will be here for you whenever you can. We love you. I thought that's a beautiful picture of what years and years of pain feels like. It rushes to the forefront when the father's at work and he does great work. Jacob, he mourns his son a long, long time. His sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused their comfort. Go to the grave mourning my son. Um, Oh, how his father wept for him. In Egypt, the Midianites sold Joseph to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, manager of his household affairs. All right. Anyone done on Thanksgiving where you do the wishbone and one gets the big half and one gets the little or whatever and you do that and then you, you know you get the wish and you won or whatever? Joseph got the short end of the stick. He got, he, this isn't fun. And then he gets sold off into Potiphar and eventually Potiphar's wife frames him because he's very attractive and she wants to connect with him intimately. And since he won't connect with her sexually, he runs... My goodness, that is a good word for a lot of us. He runs. When temptation knocks on my door, the enemy always wants me to stay. And God's always saying, run, run. We don't reason with sexual temptation. And every time we reason with it, we find ourselves slaughtered. We're like an ox led to slaughter. We're slaughtered every time. And so how do you get out of it? Simply just run. That's a good place to start. Well, he runs, leaves a piece of his garment. She frames him, tells her husband, and then he goes to prison. 
So Joseph goes to prison, some theologians say uh, roughly about 10 years. Well, finally, after getting betrayed by his family, family betrayal, this is a high, high level, family betrayal hurts more than any betrayal. Family betrayal hurts. I want to lean in there. Family betrayal hurts. When family, and it might not even be as aggressive as Joseph's brothers, it could be as subtle as not honoring their word. Doesn't that hurt? It hurts. Well, you said. Well, you said. And then we remember, wait, well, I said, and I've betrayed. We experience this in my family. There's, there's, there's people in my family right now that won't talk to each other. And my prayer is that they don't die before they don't talk to each other. I don't even want to expound on it because you'd be able to get the details and you'd be like, wow, that's pretty tough. That's, um, no, it's not as tough as Joseph. <laughs> but it hurts when, you, when family's not talking. It hurts. It hurts when we're betrayed by family. Well, Joseph wasn't immune to pain. He eventually gets raised up to a place of high authority. He's a high competent person, high character individual, and he has a calling and he's chosen by God. And he can interpret dreams, which leads him to a place of power eventually. And here he is ruling to protect people under Pharaoh, under, uh, uh, under the rulers of Egypt. And, and now Joseph has freedom externally. He's not in prison anymore. And he has children. But I love the names of the children. We're going to read it in verse uh, Genesis 41. And don't give up on me now. Come on, like, like come close. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. Pause. I've read that and I've wept. Because to think of him in prison, to think of him betrayed, and then God give him a son, you know, firstborn. And he says, that the name means forget all my hardship and all of my father's house. God's restoring. There's a new father in place now and that we don't have to be naive that we experience pain. No, no, we can acknowledge that there's hardship. We gotta see that there. We can acknowledge there's hardship. How would we even begin to forgive? We have to acknowledge there's hurt. Acknowledge it. But today, this is a place of faith. Can we believe that God could give us a son that we could forget the hardship? I mean, forget it. Forget it as if we're telling our story in the past as if it's third person. It's not us. Forget the hardship. And then the second, he called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction, that the place of pain becomes a place of gain, that we can, in that very setting, forget hardship and now be fruitful. We ask God too much to change our setting and ch- instead of changing the heart within us, and then he'll make us fruitful right where we're at. Joseph lived this bloom where you're planted. Faithfulness will give you a voice. What? Come on. That's exciting. Joseph can do it. He did it. 
But Jesus is the greater Joseph. And here's how the Lord treats us in Hebrews 8. They shall not teach each one of his neighbor and each one of his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Thank you, God. Yes. You don't remember my sins. Like every time we connect, you're not just talking about my sins. It's not a bad employee review which can be very profitable for the record. If we want our boss to always operate like Jesus, your boss might not be being the most effective boss then because they're there to lead a company as well. And kudos if they are like Jesus in that moment, but it is beautiful when we acknowledge where we're really at. It is. And accountability does that. Accountability is giving an account, being accountable. And a coach, Izzo, they're, what they're doing is, the Lord, what he's doing is, and he's fanning the flame of what's in me and you, not to rule us. We can't be ruled anymore. We already are ruled by Jesus. So God uh, remembers our sin no more. And then finally, we're going to end with the story here. And worship team, if you guys want to come up front, and we're, we're going to worship. We're going we're to take about 12 minutes, and we're going to worship. We're just going to worship. And I'm going to read the rest of the story of uh, just a couple of highlight clips of Joseph. Every time I read this, it, it wrecks me. Everything about Joseph's life, I probably because I don't relate to it. Because when I was tempted, I didn't run. If I was in jail, all I did is complain. If people betrayed me, all I wanted to do was betray them. But when Jesus comes in, we don't operate under the same rule and master anymore. Finally, um, there's a famine in the land, and... Joseph's brothers, their hand is forced where they have to go ask for help. And Joseph is face to face to his brothers after many years. And here he is, he's face to face in, in Genesis 43, verse 30. I love this because he, here he is, he's, he's already has two children, forgetting my hardship and I'm fruitful, but yet he's still gentle and he breaks down. It says, then Joseph hurried out. He's face to face with his brothers for his compassion grew warm for his brother and he sought a place to weep and he entered his chamber and he wept there. Then he washed his face and he came out and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. So he goes and hides that he's, he's crying. And he's gonna let the story play out and he, uh, he tests his brothers to see where they're at. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. We're going to continue to read. So they served him by himself and them by him, themselves. And the Egyptians, because there was a cultural where you don't eat in the same way. There was different uh, provisions of how, different ritual of how the food was ate and prepared. And the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to the youth. They're sitting in the order that they're born. Who would know that, Joseph? And the men looked at one another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table. Um, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as, the, as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. So envision this scene. All the brothers are before Joseph. They don't know it's him. They're, they're asking for help. And once all the brothers are lined up in their name, or in their age, 
And here's Benjamin, the youngest. He gets five times more than everybody else. And this week I, I learned the reason of that was to test the brothers' hearts. Were they still jealous? And five times is a, is a number of grace. Have they learned that grace is the way? Have they learned that there is that they need forgiveness? They need help? Have we learned that jealousy is not the way, that we need help, that grace is the only way? Yeah. Why hold on to a grudge? We've been forgiven. We've been forgiven. Yeah. And then the next time they meet, Joseph could not control himself in Genesis 45. Before all those who stood by him, he cried, make everyone go out from me. He cries again. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept out loud so that the Egyptians heard it. No one's in the room, but Joseph and his brothers and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, this is reconciliation on a high level, friends. God can do it. It's not the end of the story. I am Joseph. Is my brother, is my father still alive? He asks. But his brother could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. This is how God talks. Come near to, come near to me. I know you made mistakes. Come near to me. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Pause, pause, pause. Do not be angry or distressed with yourselves because you so showed me here. When we forgive somebody, we're not trying to make them relive it, and we're not trying to make them have to deal. They're no, they don't have to show us or grovel for our sorry. And we've already, we, we, we're so connected with Jesus that we so, we empathize with them and we approach them and here we are face to face come on, come on. saying, it's okay. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. And here becomes the power statement. This is the greatest statement. Like, this is awesome. This is the statement that defines Joseph for me. For God sent me before you to preserve life. That what the enemy meant for evil, yet yeah, hurt. Oh man, we could talk about it. In fact, I could show you my children. One is forget all my hardship. That's how much it hurt. I named my son that. <laughs> and then secondly, I could tell you, look, God put me in a place of fruitfulness that this, this pain's used, being used for gain. And I give God the glory for my story. That the place of every hardship you and, my, you and me have faced, I believe this. I believe that Jesus is such he is such the great finisher that if it's bad, it's not done yet. That God turns and flips the script and we can't define the moments of what's gonna happen in the long run. So we have to be willing to go through the process. Well, how often would we forgive? Um, in Matthew 18, it says, uh, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And the point Jesus is saying is, if you think you gotta forgive just a little bit, you gotta forgive all the time, all the time, all the time. When you're forgiven, are you putting them in a power of control? No, no, we're forgiving all the time, all the time, all the time. Um, because we've been forgiven. I don't know where you're at in this journey, but we're gonna sing for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and then we're gonna tag that, you know, Jesus, there's freedom in your name. And I'm, I'm inviting us to let the Lord examine the root of unforgiveness in our life. And invite him there. 
into a slow conversation, maybe. Maybe today is a, a day of radical deliverance. Or maybe it's a process like Joseph, and it, took, it will take a really long time. But, that, but, but we, we would either begin the conversation with God today or continue the conversation with God today. And two, two simple reasons for forgiveness is God forgave me, and I trust God for every outcome. When I'm not forgiving somebody, I'm trusting myself for the outcome. I'm a little control freak. I'd rather control the outcome. Jesus, as we sing, we want you to have all of us. We hear Joseph's story, but Joseph looked to you, and we look to you today. Because yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, you offer forgiveness. You look at us in the midst of spitting at you, laughing at you, mocking you, ridiculing you, our sin ever before you, and you say, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You say, come near. Don't live in anger, don't live in distress. Come near. For there's a purpose through the situation that we can be on the team team Jesus today. And team Jesus, oh, we have a banner of forgiveness on a high level. I'd rather be accused as being a wimp than being somebody who's accused of unforgiveness. So today, let forgiveness reign. We are free to forgive. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.